Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24, Matthew 7, verse number 24. This is a parable that is very, very familiar and very, very, uh, the story, even if the scripture is not quotable, the story in itself is very rememberable and has been quoted and talked about from pulpits all over this country many times. But I'd like to draw your attention to it again today. This is Jesus again saying and telling us a parable. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to read the similar story, but out of Luke's account, and I'm going to read it in a different translation because it, it has some things that this translation says I'd like to draw your attention to. I'll be reading out of the Message Bible, Luke chapter 6, verse 46, out of the Message Bible, says this, Why are you so polite with me, always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you? These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. They're not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. Bedrock, when the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just... But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't take them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter who built a house who, but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards, and it was a total loss. Jesus, in a lot of his parables, likes to show us contrast. He likes to show contrast because by showing contrast, it really gets us to understand the differences between one side and the other. I, I, I find it hard to believe, and I'm not getting on this to, to, to jump on a soapbox. I, I just find it hard to believe that, that there are people out there that will watch demonic movies and 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 all the stuff that's out there and demonic and stories about all this possession, people possessed and all that, and believe that stuff is real, but they don't believe God is real. You can't have darkness without light. Because we know light is light because there's darkness. And we know darkness is darkness because there's light. And so Jesus often showed contrast in in comparing two different things. In fact, he said in Matthew, he showed a contrast between a broad way and a wide gate that leads to destruction and a narrow way and a straight gate that leads to everlasting life. He was showing the contrast of two different things. He talked about two different trees. He talked about different fields. He often showed contrast. And in this particular situation, he uses the contrast of building a house or having a house. And I feel like there is very few illustrations that can be used to better illustrate what we're doing and what we're attempting to do and why we're here today in church. Because all of us in this room today are building a house. If this is your first time here, let me tell you today, you're building a house. You may not know it, but let me tell you today, you're building a house. You may not realize it, but you're building a house. 
Because the Bible says that our life is a house. We're building our life. The Bible says we are to edify ourselves. The word edify there is to build up. We are building a house. And Jesus talks about the construction of that house. And in the construction of that house, he contrasts a wise builder and a foolish builder. But notice what he uses as the key to building the house. Several times there, and let's go back there just so you can see it. You know I'm not making it up in case you're wondering today. Go back to to Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24, if you would. And let's show exactly what we're talking about. Look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24 and look at the key word that seems to come up several times here. There we go. Therefore, whosoever, what's that word? Heareth. Heareth. Go to the next verse. Verse 25 says this. Whosoever heareth is in verse 24. Verse 25 says... Behind curtain number two, there we go. And the rain blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, and it was founded on a rock. So he's talking about here and the wise. Now go one more verse for me. Verse 26, verse 26 says, and everyone that heareth. Again, we hear that word, heareth. Because there's something to be said of the fact that you're sitting here today, and you're not just here today to to to, to just come to a, a, a building for a social ga- gathering, but we believe when we come to church, it is a spiritual experience. Church should be a spiritual experience. There can be natural elements to church. There can be people here that you consider your friends. There can be people here you consider your enemies. There are natural in things to church. There may be some people you want to sit on that side because they sit on that side. We need to pray about that. But ultimately, church is not a natural thing, but coming to church is a spiritual thing. There are a lot of churches today that have made church a natural event. You come because of the good music. You come because of the good programs. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong. There's something wrong with good music and good programs. I'm not saying that. But that's not the draw to church. The draw to church is I go there because the word of God said wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst of them. And I go to church because I know if I go there, Jesus will be there. And church is a supernatural thing. And while we're in church, the word of God goes forth, not in a speech or in some kind of some kind of rhetoric, but the word of God should, let's put it that way, should go forth in a supernatural spiritual way. But just because you hear the word of God does not bring fruit in your life. Because we read in the other translation, it was a very well put deal. You can use my word in Bible studies, but if you don't apply it to my your life, what profit is it having in your life? We know the story takes place in Genesis, very famous portion of scripture. We know the story of Noah and the ark. Whether or not you're here today and you want to argue creationism over evolution and whether or not there was a real flood, the fact of the matter is the Bible says there was a flood. I don't care what science says, the Bible says there was a flood. But there was something interesting that took place in the story of the flood because the Bible says that God comes down and speaks to Noah and he gives Noah very specific instructions on how to build the ark. Noah had never even seen a boat to our understanding. He didn't even understand, didn't even really understand what rain and a flood was. He didn't understand that because at the time that wasn't the way the earth worked. And, and I imagine there was a lot of concepts to, to Noah that he didn't understand, but God gave him specific instructions on how to build the ark. He didn't give him a multiple choice test. Can I stop for a second and make this statement? If someone tells you, 
it doesn't matter how you get to Jesus. We all come different roads. They're not telling you the truth. Because there's one way. There is one way. There's not a multiple choice question. There is one way to get to Jesus. There's one road to get to Jesus. Because if that's the case, and it doesn't matter what you believe, we all believe the same thing. I mean, I've even people here now that even Christians are starting to say, well, you know, the Muslims, they believe in the same God we believe. They just call them by a different name. Well, you know, offense to those people. But I believe in God Almighty. It's not just by the name. We're not just all on this on this different roads going to the same way. That's not the case. Because if that was the case, he would have said, listen, listen here, Noah, I want to build you an ark. I want you to build me an ark. And I don't care what it looks like. You just go build what it is. Just make sure it floats. And Noah could have sat down and said, well, you know what? Boy, I'd like to get me some of that and I'd like to put that. We could put a little sun deck out there because I know it's going to be a long journey. And sure, my wife would like a little kitchen over there and like to, boy, you know, I've got to get a little entertainment center in there because they've got to get away from the animals and make sure we got this and all that happening. Boy, I'd like to have that. He didn't tell them that. He gave them very specific instructions of exactly what he wanted and how he wanted it. Do you know what I believe? We know the story. He builds the ark. The rains come. The water begins to rise. Guess what? The ark worked. Do you know what I believe? I believe if Noah would have said, you know what, God, I like your design, but could we just tweak it over here? And you, Lord, we got to carry all that wood. That's a lot of wood. Do we need all that wood? Look, what if we just, you know, we could... We could use a lighter material that would be easier on me to carry than my sons. We could, we could take a little here and take a little there. And that wouldn't, you wouldn't mind, God. It's still, we're still making a boat that floats. Do you know what I believe? When the rain came, Noah would have learned how to swim quick. That's what I believe. Because I believe the reason why it worked and his family was saved because he did what God told him to do. But notice this. When did he discover that he did it right? He didn't discover he did it right until the rain came and it started to float. We can all argue about what raised the right way when we're in dry land. We can argue about, oh, that's not necessary. We don't need that. and We don't need to do that way. We don't need to go that way. And do you really need to come to church to be saved? Do you, you can make that argument when you're in dry land. But there's a rain that's coming in your life. And the and Jesus is telling this story. And I would imagine if, 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 he, if he had time, he would elaborate it. He would have said, listen, we have house A and house B. House A looks like this. House B looks like that. They're the same looking house. Which house would you like? Well, you know, Lord, I, you know, beach living. You can't beat beach living. Who don't want to live on the beach? Little, little with the water going right by you, you walk out. I mean, who wants to live up with some silly rock? Let's go by the beach. I'm taking the beach. It's the same house. Because he said, when they're both there and you're just judging it by what you see, there is no comparison. It looks like the same deal. And it's easy for you to sit here today and argue with, oh, you know, does that church business mean that? Or the Bible really legitimate today? I believe the Bible really applies to us today. It's easy to say that when you're on the beach and the water's calm. But notice, when did the contrast really come? When the flood, when the wind, and when the rain came. There was no way to tell whether or not the house was built correctly until there was some kind of issue that arose in the house. There was no way to do it until there was some sort of 
chaos that arose. And notice this. He said flood, wind, and rain. First of all, Jesus never says anything by accident. Everything he says is specific. He doesn't just search for words out of the dictionary and think, oh, floods are good. Oh, wind, rain. No, 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 no. I believe each one of those is a different test or different stage in our life because the Bible says that the enemy will raise up a flood against us. So the flood that attacked the house was the attack of the enemy. Because there is an enemy of your soul today. Can I pull back the curtain for you just for a second? It may make you feel uncomfortable, but I got to tell you the truth. You may not be able to see it today, but if we could peel back the layer of the supernatural and you could peer into the world that is happening all around us, there is an enemy, there is an enemy that is trying to destroy your soul today. And you may think, oh, that's crazy, that's hogwash, that's some kind of bizarro world. No, it's the fact because the Bible says there is one that is seeking to kill to steal and destroy your life and let me tell you whether or not you understand or not there is an enemy of your soul and guess what he doesn't even want you to be here today because you know what I can I just be honest I don't know what happened to you you know one of the hardest nights of my week usually Saturday night chaos happens Saturday night why because Sunday is coming and you know what? The enemy doesn't want me to go Sunday. He wants me to come in here bogged down with life and bogged down with stuff and bogged down with chaos. How many, I don't want to ask, don't, don't even dare flinch, move. Keep your eyes. How many of you couples, your biggest fights of the week happen on the way to church? Don't look straight ahead. I wouldn't even ask if that happened today. Why? Because you know what? If I was the devil, I'd want, you to, I'd want to get you so stirred up that when you came in here, you were so mad that you just basically shut everything down. <laughs> That's what I would want to do. If I was the devil, I would make sure I would do everything. Why? Because I know that if somewhere along the line you get the revelation... That there is power in the name of Jesus. And you get the revelation that if I'm baptized in the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus is applied to my life, that gives me power. Real quick, allow me to digress. Pharaoh the standoff between Pharaoh and Moses, the second seven plagues. If you don't know it, go rent one of the, I think it's Charlton Heston's in one of the movies. Go rent a movie, you'll get the whole story. But the basic idea is that Moses goes back to Egypt, says, let my people go. Seven plagues, frogs, locusts, all the crazy stuff, blood turning into the water, turning into blood, all kinds of craziness. Finally, the last great plague, the firstborn's going to be dead, and God says, I'm going to spare you the Israelites, if you do what I tell you to do. Notice, every time God gives a way out of a situation, he always gives instructions to follow. He always gives specifics to follow. And he says, listen, there is the angel of death is coming, and I'm going to spare you, but you have to do what I tell you to do. And he says, take the lamb and kill it and and take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost and across on the lintel. Make sure that that door of your house is covered but not only make sure it's covered but then you got to make sure you're in the house but if you have the blood applied to the door and you're in the house there is nothing that happens on the outside that will be able to get on the inside he said i'm not going to stop the adversary from coming but i'm going to give you a way out and the way out is through my blood. But you have to apply it in your life. And you've got to stay in that. And that, that door had a threshold. And literally, that when, when, you just, when you read the description of that, it meant you have to stay inside of that threshold. Even just step now and say, well, you know what? Let's test the water and see if this is really the case. No. 
He said, I'll give you instructions that will save you, but you have to follow what I'm telling you. And there's some of you in here today that you're under attack by the adversary and you don't know the condition of your house until that attack comes. And when that attack comes, it reveals the condition of your house. He said not only will floods come, but winds come. And the winds in scripture are metaphoric of false doctrine, false teachings. The Bible talks about we being driven to and fro with every wind of doctrine, every, every new fad, every new thing that comes along. Well, believe this, do that. Have you ever noticed that one day the doctors say don't do this and the next day they say you can do that, but just don't do this? It's amazing to me in just the six years, five years, all runs together. Five years between the birth of our first child and the birth of our last child. I was going to say third child, but it's not a third, it's the last. <sighs> We're just going to settle that right there in case you're wondering. Are they going to have more? No. Between the birth of our first child and the birth of our last, our last child, it was like five years. And even in that five-year period of time, what they recommended with our first child, they had changed their mind and recommended something else with our last child. And, then, and if you read, I mean, now they say, well, say, well, you can't do this. I mean, go back in the 50s. It's hilarious to me. Go back in the 40s and 50s and, and look up old advertisement. And they said, if you smoke cigarettes, it not only makes your food taste better, it makes you digest better. Cigarettes are great. Then they realize, wait a minute, everyone's dying because of these things. And our world is filled with fads and fashions and all kinds of things that are, that are blowing people one way and one way and one way and this way and that way and this way. And the Bible says there are going to be winds that come and blow in your life. And if you're somebody that always has their ear open to what's new, what's everybody else doing? What's everybody else listening to? What's everybody else going? What's, what's, the, what's, what's everybody else believing nowadays? If you do that, your house is not going to stand. Because the Bible says there is one way. One way. There's not a multiple choice in this. There's one way. And you don't know what way you're on until there's crisis. As they say, there are no atheists in the foxholes. You can stand there and say, I don't need God. I don't even believe in God when there's no bullets flying. But the moment bullets are flying and hitting near your head, all of a sudden everybody becomes a believer. And he said there will be wind, there'll be floods, there'll be winds. And the last one he said there'll be rains, meaning there's going to be life. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Life happens. If you don't hear anything else I say, here's the great revelation about to blow your mind. Are you ready? Strap in. Here you go. Life happens. Coming to church does not make you immune to life. Coming to church does not make you immune to trials and difficulties. Coming to church does not guarantee you a perfect ride. I don't care what someone tells you if you send money to them, what it will do for you. It's not going to happen. You can send every dime you have into their ministry, but it doesn't guarantee you because giving is not an insurance policy against catastrophe. I don't give to God so, so in, in return, God keeps stuff out of my life. He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. He told you that. He already said, guess what? In this life, it's going to stink. And you know what that word tribulation? We think of tribulation, we think of some kind of apocalyptic event. That word tribulation doesn't mean some kind of crazy end of the world deal. That word tribulation means pain, check, problems, check, pressure, check. 
That means you're going to wake up and things are going to hurt. You're going to get sick. You're going to get diagnosed with disease. You're going to have problems. Your kid's going to lose their mind. You may have married a jerk. Can we just be real about it? They may have been a prince, but when the armor came off, you realize, wait a minute. Why wouldn't you act like this when we were dating? You might have married a jerk. You might have problems. And guess what? He said you're going to have pain, you're going to have problems, and you're going to have pressure. You know what? You're going to have to go to work. You're going to have to perform to a certain level. You're going to have pressure and expectation on you. You're going to have to have pressure to pay your bills on time. You're going to have pressure. You can get down all you want and say, Lord, I want you to supply my needs, Lord. You know my need. And sit back and say, I'm not going to work today. Why? The Lord's going to supply it. No, he ain't. Forget my language. Nope. I can tell you that prayer right now is not being answered. I don't care how much you pray. I believe God is, Woo! my God is, he, he's blessing me. Boy, child, he is going to bless me. I don't even have to go to work today. He's going to bless me. Nope. I won't use the name. Some of you may know it. I won't use the name. Years ago, there was a person that said that they believed the Lord was going to bless them. And they were struggling with, this is a true story, by the way. I'm not making this up. There was a a person that believed that the Lord was going to start blessing them. And they're struggling with how how that, because they they didn't have the resources they thought they were going to have. And so they're praying one day and they said, Lord, um... You know, I, we, I believe you're going to bless me. And they said they were praying and, 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 and the Lord spoke to them. Or apparently the Lord spoke to them. It's debatable. And the Lord spoke to them and said, when are you going to start acting like you're blessed? And they replied back to the Lord and said, well, Lord, I don't, I don't know how to do that. We don't have the money we need. And he said, start acting like you're blessed. He said, well, Lord, we, we don't have anything. He said, what do you want me to do? And the Lord spoke to him and said, credit cards. If I'm lying, I'm dying. (laughs) Credit cards. I don't even have to know the Bible to know that wasn't Jesus. Because it's not the will of God for you to run up your credit card bill to 15000 and then get on your knees every night saying, God, you got to help me pay my bills. You shouldn't have bought all those stuff. Can I just pastor for a second? I know if you're a guest here today, this is not towards you. Some of you are in the situation you are because you made some dumb choices. Can I just say what it is? You made bad choices. And yes, God is able to help us. God is able to forgive us and get us out of situations. But come on. You don't go sleep with somebody and then pray, God, don't get me pregnant. Come on, it's real in here. Let's not, let's not put it around the bush. I understand the news can be real. TV can be real. The newspaper can be real. But church, we got to be somehow, it's real. No. And he said, you're going to have pain, problem, and pressure. But thank God he didn't just stop there and say, you're going to have pain, problem, and pressure. Well, great. Thank you for that. He said, but be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. So you know what that means? That means when you see me standing here today with my hands lifted, I'm not lifting my hands because I'm perfect or my life is perfect. I'm lifting my hands because he is perfect. If you see me worshiping today, it's not I'm worshiping because I have no pain in my life, but I'm worshiping despite my pain because he is a healer. 
you don't know the foundation of your house until there is a reason for your house to be under stress. You don't know if you've used the right material. You don't know if you have skimped and saved money and tried to do something here and we don't need this and we don't need that and we can we can do without that and we can do without this and it all looks good and you think whoa whoa we dodged the bullet look at all we saved look at all we didn't have to do that looks good when the sun is shining you know when you don't have anything in your life man look boy I go I don't even go to church and my life is good all those crazy Christians they go to church every week I'm sitting home Sunday having my coffee, reading the newspaper in my PJs, and they're all getting up. Boy, what a bunch of, what a bunch of just, I'm telling you, I've, I've got this. Of course you say that. But when you walk into the doctor and the doctor says, we need you to come in. And you sit across the doctor and they look at you and say, we're really sorry to have to tell you this. But you've been diagnosed with blank. And we're not sure if we can do anything for you. Then you tell me if all your life that you skimped and you saved on really matters. Because all of a sudden then you find out the foundation of your house. And you tell me if that's really the case. Can you call up Steven Spielberg and said, listen, I loved your movies, but I just got diagnosed with cancer. Can you help me? You ain't calling up Beyonce, Jay-Z. They're not helping you out of that. Barry Manilow for the rest of y'all older folks. <laughs> Glenn Miller for the rest of you. <laughs> Beyonce, who is that? Jay-Z, why would you name your son Z? Why? Because you realize all of a sudden now, all of that stuff doesn't really matter. All of that stuff that you based your life and your happiness on really was false advertising. All of a sudden you realize, what is my life truly built upon? What is the foundation of my life? And Jesus said, you will determine your life's foundation when rain, flood, and wind comes. And it will be that that determines the condition of your life. I get it. I said this, I think I used this a couple weeks ago, but there's some of you that weren't here a couple weeks ago, so allow me to use it again for those of you that heard this. I get it. There's nothing glamorous about standing there watching a backhoe dig a hole. Boy, everyone in here that wants a brand new home, you don't go down to Home Depot and go, boy, you got any good dirt? No, you're looking at what tile, what kind of tile can we use? What faucets do we want? What color carpet? What, what do we want to paint our bedroom? What do we want to paint our kitchen? Oh, what, what, kind of, what kind of outside do we want? You don't, that's all you care about. You don't go, you know what? You know what? That, not, that, that doesn't really, we don't need any of that. We just want a hole. And, and you sit there, and I guess the first time the shovel goes in the ground because you're now breaking ground is exciting. But after that, it's pretty. In fact, most of the time, if it's virgin dirt, it stinks. Can I be honest? You ever been out somewhere where they dug a hole in virgin ground and, and opened up that hole? It stinks. Sometimes the dig in our lives reveals stuff that smells. Digging in our life reveals things that we don't want revealed. We'd rather just build on top of it. We think we just build on top of it, it'd be okay because we don't want to dig down in that hole because we know the more we dig, the more 
stuff is going to be revealed and the more stuff you're going to discover and the more it's going to smell. But you watch them and they dig that hole and then you think, well, finally we're getting somewhere. Then they come along and they, they level stuff out and they start pouring footers with cement and all that and you're thinking, boy, this is, where, where's my living room? Where's my kitchen? Where's any of this? And notice, to go up, you got to go down. And the farther you go up, the farther you got to go down. The higher you want to build, the deeper you got to go. You want a tent of a life? You want a little tent, a little shelter? Have a few stakes. You don't need a foundation. But if you want something that will last, as was said before, if you want a storm cellar, something that will be, there was one building, I believe it was in Hiroshima, Nagasaki, which I forgot which one it was, the, the, the cities that were destroyed by the American atomic bomb back in World War II. There was one bank, I forgot what it was, I want to say it was Nagasaki, there was a bank, and it was like the only building that was left standing when this bomb exploded. But if you look at the construction of this thing, it was built like a just fort. And there was all these houses that surrounded it. And when the atomic bomb came, they literally went up and and the ones that were close to it were literally vaporized. But this bank, it was solid. Cement block. It was so solid that even under that immense force, it withstood. It had some scarring in it. It was missing from few ornamental decorations, but the core of it remained intact. Yeah, I'll go through life, Ronnie, and you know what? I may come out of some things, and I'll be missing some shingles. My roof may need to be repaired. I'll have a few leaks, but you know what? The core of my life will be intact because I've got something I've built it on. I'm going to have days. Can I be honest with you? I've had days, and even the last couple of years, that I've wondered, God, where in the world are you? I've had days where literally, it's even come out of my mouth. Um, God, uh, I just want to let you know I'm still here. I haven't heard from you, haven't seen you, and I don't even know really what's going on because it seems like you're a long way off, but I'm still here. But you know what? At the core of all of it, I'm here today because there was a foundation that I built my life on. You know what? Today, I challenge someone today. What are you building your house on today? I say build it upon a church. Don't build your house on a church. Don't build your house upon a personality. You may like me, you may not. I mean, liking me is not going to get you to heaven any more than not liking me. It will help, but it may not. It's joking. It's not about a personality. It's not about a church. It's about the one that's in this room today that even though he's in this room, he's still on the cross. He's still on that cross. He's still. He's still every breath of agony. He's still being breathed for us. That's what it's about. Because you know what? Look at these hands. I want you to look, if you're a guest with me today, look at these hands. Look at these hands. There are no scars on these hands. You look at my forehead today, there are no scars there. If it was, if it was proper and I could take my shirt off and show you my side, there is no scar on my side from where I was pierced. If I could take my shirt off today and show you my back, my back does not have whip marks on it. Why? Because I did not die for you. The person to the right or left didn't die for you. But he did. And if you could somehow today know how much he desires to make himself real and known to you. The Bible says very simply this. 
Very simply, it says, I stand at the door and I knock. Notice that. This is right if you'd come. Notice this. He didn't say, I stand at the door and ready or not, I'm coming in. He's God. He just has to look at the door and the door will fall open. There's no door that can stop God except your door. (laughs) Do you know that God, the creator, said, let there be light and life came into existence by his word, but you and our feeble humanity have the power to stop the creator? Do you know how much power you have today? You have so much power that you can stop the creator. Hallelujah. We're talking about the same God who the Bible says in the end of all this, in the battle of Armageddon, just by his word, the flaming word coming out of the mouth, that he's literally going to slaughter an army so much that the blood is going to fill a valley up to the horse's neck just by his word. And that same God is stopped by the power you possess. I stand at the door. I knock. You know what that means? Is that only you have the power to open the door. Only of the power that he could, if he wanted to, kick the door down and said, you know what? I'm going to save you no matter what. And you could just be drug. Okay, I'm going, I'm going. Okay, easy. No, no, no. He says, I'll stand at the door and knock. You know, often the hardest time, hardest thing, and I'm almost done. I know I've been going for a few minutes. You know, the hardest thing as a preacher to do, the hardest thing for a preacher is not to go to somebody. I, don't, I like picking on you because you're, you're a good sport. Come over here, Ronnie, and say, Get, you know what? Come here right now. Come down here right now. Okay, God, he doesn't want it, but I'm telling you right now, he needs it. Give it to him now. Whether or not he wants it or not, do it quickly before he leaves. And he's like, no, no, you ain't leaving yet. God ain't done with you yet. Stand right there. How awesome would that be? This place would be filled because I'd be down on the highway right now poking people's car with those police strips, getting flat tires, saying, all right, you ain't leaving. You got to come in here because God's going to touch you. But God doesn't do that. And God won't let me do that because God will not go past your door. You've got to be willing to open up your own door. And only you hold the key. You've got to be willing. But he says, you know what? I'm going to stand here. And I'm just going to knock. I'm going to eat knocking. And when you go out of here at this place today, and you go back to your life, and you try to forget what I've said today, I pray in the name of Jesus that you hear the echo of the knocking. And when you lay down on your pillow tonight, and you go to bed, and you try to go back to your life, live in your own way, I pray in Jesus' name, you hear the echo of the knocking. The echo of the knocking. Why? What are you trying to do to me, preacher? I'm not trying to do anything to you. I just know the fact that there is a God. There is a God who's so desperate to make himself real to you. But even he is, but he loves you enough that he's willing to be rejected by you to show you how much he loves you. Think about that. He loves you enough that he's willing to be rejected by you so he could prove to you how much he loves you. Because if he forces you to do anything, that's not love, that's slavery. But love gives someone a choice. And he gives you a choice knowing that in that choice you probably will turn your back and walk away. But he loves you enough to give you a choice. But he's waiting for you today to say, God, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to say, but God, I know I want you in my life. I wonder right where you are without someone asking you to do anything you're not comfortable doing. I wonder if you could just bow your head right where you are. 
And maybe if you would even close your eyes, not so that we could do something spooky or mystical, but by closing your eyes, it blocks out distractions. Because right now, it's not about the person to the right or left of you. It's about you and Jesus. And I wonder right now if you could say that simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to say. But Lord, I know one thing. I want my life built upon you. I want to build my life upon you. Can you pray that right now? I'm not going to ask you to join a church. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I'm just going to ask you to say that simple prayer. Say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to open up the door of my life so that I can find you. I know the preacher said you're standing and you're knocking and you're waiting for me to open. I don't even know what to do to open the door, but Lord, I want that door in my life open. I want to be built upon you. Can you just pray that with me right now? Come on, in your own words. It doesn't have to be very loud. You don't have to scream to the top of your lungs. But just say that to Jesus. Can you do that? Can you just whisper that to him? Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you today. I need you today. Come on, he said, will you hear my words? And what were you going to do about it? When you hear my word, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to, are you going to just file it away in your life? And wash. And do nothing about it and be like the fool that built his house upon the sand? Are you going to hear my word and apply it to your life so that your life and your house can be built upon the rock? Jesus, Father, right now, every heart and every life in here, Lord, I know you've spoken. I can feel you speak in this place. And I pray right now in Jesus' name, we need your help. We need your help. We need you to help us today. Oh, help us today. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing, nothing but the blood. We need you today, Jesus. Manifest yourself to us today. Manifest yourself to us today, Holy Ghost. White as snow. We sing this together. Can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Maybe you've got some wind in your life. Maybe you've got some rain in your life. Can I tell you that there is a rock that you can build your life upon? There's a rock you can build on that the wind and the floods and the rain can't stop it. But there's a rock. There's a rock you can build on today. No other fountain. Oh, nothing but the blood. I wonder if you could do one more thing if you feel comfortable. We reach over next to somebody beside you if you feel comfortable doing so. Can you just pray for them right now? Maybe you don't even know what to pray, but just say, Jesus, help us. Help us today. Can you do that? Come on, the Holy Ghost has touched and spoken in this place today. Can you just take a moment? Pray for someone next to you. Jesus, 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 oh, precious is the flow, oh, that makes me white as snow, so you know
wash away my sin. Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I challenge someone today? The Bible says, in fact, even, even God himself said, test me. Put me to the test. So can I challenge someone today? There are some of you that are going through stuff in your life you don't have an answer for. It's overwhelming to you. But can I have a test? I have a challenge for you. This week, when those things of your life hit you, I want you to open up your mouth and just say, Jesus. Jesus. What else do you want me to say? That's it. Just say Jesus. Don't say it as a curse word. Don't speak it in defilement. But say Jesus. And I guarantee you, if you would say that name, you will begin to feel the power and the presence of God begin to come over you. And whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, I believe the Lord will give you strength to make it through that. If you would just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Praise God. Would you stand with me today? Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise and thanks? Come on, let's thank him. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, one last thing. We've got some great refreshments out. Don't leave. We'll lock the door so you don't leave. Go back and get something to eat. But also, too, let me say one more time. I see a lot of guests here today. Thank you for coming today. But, can I say this? You came on the hardest weekend of the month. Of the year. I mean, it's holiday. So if you've come on the hardest time, come back again when it's easy. So don't come just because it's a holiday. I mean, come on. There's a thousand things you could be doing today. And if the rain was the reason why you came, I pray next week we have a flood. So just because it, it's, you came today and we had friends and family, we have refreshments. We don't, unfortunately, we don't have the funds to provide refreshments every week. But come back next week. It's easier. There won't be a holiday. So thank you for coming. Make sure you greet somebody. God bless every each and one of you. Have a safe holiday tomorrow. And please stop and get some refreshments before you leave. Amen. God bless you.